Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know. And you can find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 203 of Sorta Awesome. We hope that you're having one of your most awesome summers yet. Summer is totally a great time to catch up on your favorite podcasts. And it's also a time when your friends and family are going to be looking for new listens to check out. And you guys, believe it or not, to this day, one of the very best ways for a podcast to find new listeners is just through recommendations from friends. So if your friends are looking for a new podcast to binge this summer, make sure you've told them how much you think they'll love Sorta Awesome. Invite them to be part of our awesome nation Show them how to subscribe to the show. We are so thankful for every one of you awesomes who tune in every week. And we'd love to have you help spread our mission of being awesome to the world around you. So a very super easy way to pass the show on to a friend is to just send them on over to our website, sortaawesomeshow.com, and we'll take it from there. Okay, you guys, this is episode 203. We are continuing our Sorta Awesome Stories series that we're sharing with you all summer long. I cannot wait to dig into conversation with this week's Superstar Awesome because we're talking about one of my very favorite topics in the world, friendship, specifically friendship for women. Anna Hithersay is a wife to Jason and a mom to three kids ages eight, five, and three. She firmly believes that all moms are working moms. And in this season of her life, her work is homeschooling, special needs parenting, and hosting The Post Party, a podcast for postpartum and post-adoptive moms. And her family live in Dallas. Anna, hello, and welcome to Sorta Awesome. Hey, Meg. Thanks for having me. It's so good to chat again. You were kind and gracious enough to invite me to come over to The Post Party a while back, and we got to chat about all things postpartum, revisiting all that baby stuff. (laughs) Yes, that was so fun. So fun. I'm so glad we get to visit again. And actually, the post party has a connection to sort of awesome. I was wondering if you could tell the awesomes how that has all worked into the post party being born. Yes. 
the post party was definitely influenced by you and sort of awesome and just knowing that I saw the work that you had done of gathering women together and encouraging women and doing it through podcasting. And I thought, you know, who's a great group to use podcasts for connecting is moms that are Mm -hmm. with little babies. I listened to a ton of podcasts when I had little ones. It was a great way for me to connect to the outside world when I couldn't leave the house. So a friend and I were talking about wanting to help other moms and we were both just struggling in the the deep dark of postpartum. Oh, yes. And I was like, you know what? I've been wanting to start a podcast. Why don't we do that? So we decided to start it. And she ended up a few months later, finding out that she was pregnant, surprised with twins. So we started looking for a new co-host for me so that she could take time off, you know, to be with her family. And I found Lori Lynn Tucker, who is another superstar awesome. And she and I connected. We have become close, close friends. And she is the new co-host for my podcast. And so we've been together for a year now doing it. And I found her through the awesomes. I never would have started a podcast or found my co-host without sort of awesome. So, oh, well, thank you, I Meg. love that. I yeah. love that. That makes my heart so happy. And you and Lori Lynn are such a perfect match. You have fantastic friendship chemistry. And I love the totally like no holds barred approach that you have (laughs) to talking all things postpartum and also post adoptive. Like you said, I mean, that's a time for real talk and you guys are not afraid to go there. I will say anything. I always tell people if they're afraid they're going to say some word, you know, like uterus or something that like, I'm like, there's no (laughs) possible way you could embarrass yourself more than I have on this show. I have talked about everything. I've paved the way for you. It is a wide path. You cannot go too far. So totally. <laughs> I love it. Well, you guys are a great match and it just makes my heart so happy that you found each other through our awesome yes. community. So fun. So Anna and I are going to talk about friendship specifically when you move into a new season of life and you kind of realize, oh my gosh, all of my old connections, they're, you know, they're kind of fading away or it's hard to keep up with. How do I maintain friendships? We're going to talk about all of that in just a few minutes. First, let's go ahead and get started on this episode the way we always do with our Awesomes of the Week. It's that moment in the show where we take just a few minutes to stop and tell you about, oh, the TV shows, movies, podcast products, books, whatever is making life a little bit more awesome for us right now. So Anna, I can't wait to hear what you brought for your Awesome of the Week. Yes, I have been looking forward to this part. I mean, like it's a true awesome. Like <laughs> when you get an opportunity to actually be on the show, what is the one thing you're going to say? So Right, right, right. <laughs> I thought long and hard and I just like, I have to do books because I was a librarian. That was my job before I had kids and I love books. I read a ton. And so I had to recommend some books. So what I have today is actually it's a three book series. You have to kind of read all three books to get the full story arc of this couple. And it is romance. I am new to the romance genre. I was a book snob for a very long time. And last year, I finally was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to read whatever I want to read. And I, (laughs) I started reading romance and I fell in love, you know, touche, like fell in love with romance. I love smart socially responsible feminist romance. I just love it. So these books are romance. The books are Flow, Grip, and Still by Kennedy Ryan. And they are definitely open door romance. If you don't know what that means, that means like definitely some open door sexy times like you get to. (laughs) So just fair warning. 
But they are so good. They deal with the two characters. The girl is from the Upper East Side, New York City. The guy grew up in Compton and she's white, he's black. And it deals with so much important racial issues, like interracial relationships. It covers driving while black. It just covers so many important topics about racism, about the conversations going on in our culture right now, but with this romance as the main, you know, kind of part of it. So it's three books and it was fantastic. I loved it. So that's my awesome of the week. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you brought romance books to the show because you are the person I have to thank in my life for introducing me to the Learning the Tropes podcast. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So Which fun. I still love so much. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> it is so funny. It's so funny. I cannot keep up with their reading pace because again, no. they're covering a new book every week. But even the ones I don't read, I just love to listen to them. And I think that both what you said and a lot of what they talk about on Learning the Tropes really brings out that many contemporary romance books are really engaging with yes. relevant contemporary issues that actually, I mean, I I'm like you, I was a book snob. I was an English teacher, literature uh -huh. and all of those things. <laughs> and so I had such a bias against romance books for so long. And I have been completely surprised at how much, especially contemporary writers are framing their stories in a way that really engage with issues. And even some of the ones who are writing in our contemporary space, but they're writing historical romance, there's still these things, like you said, there's still feminist things that come out. They're still looking at class and race and all of these things, even though they're maybe set in a historical context. So, you know, if you guys have been on the fence about romance, there's definitely, like Anna said, you can get your open door variety, but there's some more that are a little bit more tame, but are still so much fun and still will actually make you think the way all great fiction does. So I agree. So fun. Well, we will absolutely put a link in the show notes to all three of those books. They sound fantastic. I can't wait to pick them up myself. So thank you, Anna. So fun. My awesome of the week this week is a makeup product that I'm super loving probably wouldn't have found it, except it came to me in my latest Ipsy box. So this is called Nudies. <laughs> <laughs> like the word nude. <laughs> that relates well to romance novels. Yes, it does. Exactly. <laughs> Didn't even plan it. It's totally weaving all together here. <laughs> but so this Nudies thing is, they call it a tinted blur stick. Hmm. <laughs> is it like a filter for your face, but you actually like... <laughs> Their whole like marketing is hashtag no filter. <laughs> <laughs> so back in May, I told you all that I was really loving for summer, the Pixie H2O tint, which is like a gel that's mm -hmm. really super light. It's kind of just like a tinted face gel you put it on. And I do still like that. It's very, very, very light. This nudie stick, I feel like is kind of, if you wanted something with a little bit more coverage than say, a tinted moisturizer or a tinted face gel. But again, it's summer. You don't want to do your full coverage foundation or whatever. I love this because you can just apply it as needed. So it definitely, like their whole thing, it's a blur stick. So if you wanted to maybe just swipe it on again, it's in a stick. So you could put either dot it on or swipe it on maybe where you have some pore texture or you have some blemishes that you want to cover up. You can really spot treat your face with it and it blends in really soft and silky and smooth. And it is going to give you that no makeup look, but at the same time, 
if you need a little <laughs> support <laughs> in the no makeup area. Yes. As I slide into 40, it's like, what is happening to my face? <laughs> yes. Yes. Definitely. I am living there. <laughs> but it's so super fast and easy. And what I really like about it is it is a stick. So unlike your, you know, if you have a BB cream or a CC cream or a tinted moisturizer that's usually in a tube or a, you know, like a little pump bottle, this is really super easy. It's like it's just a little bit bigger than a tube of lipstick. And so you can totally toss it in your bag, you know, your travel bag, your makeup that you're taking with you on the go, your purse, whatever. It's really easy to take along. So I've really been enjoying it. The shade that Ipsy sent me is light. It's their number three shade, but they have a whole variety. They cover the spectrum in all different face, sort of like complexions and tones and stuff. So anyway, it's a little expensive. I think it was, I think it retails at like $30 but it is one of those products that you only are going to be using a little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. So I think a $30 tube of nudies would for sure last you through the summer, but I think it's going to last quite a bit longer. So awesome. And really fun to play with. Yeah. I've been using this tinted sunscreen. Yes. That I found, but it's not very much coverage. So that sounds nice to like yeah. hit the rest of it. Yeah. You can totally like layer this on top if you are doing a tinted sunscreen, which everyone should be doing in the summer for sure. (laughs) So those are our awesomes of the week. This week, you guys, we will have links in the show notes for you all to check them out. But of course, we want to hear what is awesome in your life. So we are asking that in a couple of places around social media. First of all, if you're on Instagram, we do this every Friday morning over there. You can come and find us at Sorta Awesome Show and tell us all about your awesome of the week this week. Or of course, we always do this in our sort of awesome hangout group on Facebook, where we get together every Friday morning, kind of huddle up and chime in with whatever is awesome, whether it's a moment in our personal lives or a new book or a new makeup product or whatever the thing is. We share those every Friday morning on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash sort of awesome hangout. Awesome. You all know that the right pair of shoes can totally make or break your whole day. And that's why I'm absolutely loving my new favorite pair of shoes, my spotted loafers from Rothy's. Seriously, they're my brand new favorites because not only are they stylish, they're also sustainable. So, so comfortable. And you guys, they're washable. You get all of that in one pair of shoes. They really are the perfect flats for anywhere you need to go in life. Rothy's are crafted from recycled water bottles and somehow, amazingly, they are ultra comfortable as soon as you slip them on. There's literally zero break-in period for these shoes. Plus, Rothy's come with free shipping and free returns and exchanges. So there's no risk and no worries, which is super important if you have kind of hard to fit feet like I do. And like I said, they're fully machine washable. Anytime you need a refresh, you just toss them in the washing machine. It's kind of like getting a fresh pair every laundry day. When you check out Rothy's, you're going to quickly discover why BuzzFeed called them their forever shoes. So go check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash awesome. Go to rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash awesome to get your new favorite flats. It's comfort, style, and sustainability. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. Head to rothys.com slash awesome today. All right, Anna, are you ready? I am. <laughs> Well, like I said at the top of the show, we are going to be talking all about friendship. You were sharing with me some of your story before we sat down to record, just kind of looking at this idea of 
especially following maybe like a big life change or whatever situation you found yourself in where you're like, oh my gosh, just kind of like look up one day and you're like, I don't actually really have any friends right now. (laughs) Yes, yes. I have totally been there at a couple of different moments in my life. But before we kind of dig into what you wanted to share, let's back up a little bit and maybe you just share a little bit of your story to give us some context, kind of where you're from and what your professional life had looked like and then some of these transitions. Well, I'm from Dallas. I live in Dallas. I grew up in Dallas. So longtime Dallasite here. I was working before I had kids. I was a librarian. I had, for me, that was my dream job. I know people would look at me and be like, that's your dream job? I'm like, no, for real. This is my dream job. Yeah. I was a reference librarian at a local college and I worked helping students and professors with their research. And to me, that was perfection. I loved it. And my husband and I met through church and we got married in 2006 and we had expected to start a family fairly quickly. And we did get pregnant fairly quickly, but we started a series of miscarriages. I finally purposely stopped count because it was over 12 miscarriages oh, over, the, over several years. So we, that early years of marriage were hard. We were, you know, in grad school and doing that and working and enjoying our work life, but we had wanted to have kids. And I think that that contributed partly to what ended up when I realized at some point, it's like, I don't really have any friends. Like I had spent so much energy on that, that I had not been putting out energy into building friendships. Sure. A part of that also is my personality. I'm an INFP. Okay. I'm an Enneagram four. I am an intense, quiet, private person. And so dealing with that intense grief and struggle and trying to work. Like I just wasn't used to reaching out and building friendships. I also had kind of built like up this idea in my head that I was a one friendship kind of person that I needed a best friend. And so I put a lot of eggs in one basket and really wasn't paying attention to that part of my life. So fast forward, we ended up deciding to pursue adoption. And we were told on my 30th birthday is when we found out that we were going to be traveling to go get our son. It was super exciting. Yeah. It was like the most fantastic 30th birthday present I ever asked for. So that next week we traveled and got our son and brought him home. While we had been waiting for the adoption to go through, it was about a year. We found out that he has cerebral palsy and that was also devastating. But we were just devoted to him and we're so excited to bring him home. But it meant that I was diving into motherhood with into special needs motherhood with a toddler who'd been through trauma. He was 20 months at the time and he'd been through, you know, successive traumas with his stroke and just different things that happened in the process of waiting for us. It was a very intense way to start motherhood. Yes. And as I looked around for the kind of support I was expecting, I realized I don't have any friends that are moms in this stage of life. My one, you know, quote unquote, best friend was older than me and had older kids, like considerably older. And I had been working at the library. I had been involved in ministry at church, but none of that had to do with people my age with kids my age and certainly not special needs and and all that. So it was a really lonely time and very humbling to look around at age 30 and be like, I don't have any friends. What's wrong with me? Like why, (laughs) what kind of person just ends up not having any friends. It was weird, but I never really thought about it. So yeah, that's the kind of background that led me into my 30s. And if you had told me that seven years later that I would have vibrant friendships, I would have looked at you and been like, you're crazy. How is that going to happen? So. <laughs> 
how am I going to get to there from here? here. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I mean, I think that there's so much that's so relatable in your story, particularly as women in our 20s. A lot of times we are maybe transitioning away from some of our built-in networks, whether that was through college or grad school, or even maybe if you didn't do education beyond high school or whatever, maybe you had your sort of like starter career or whatever. And then it's a time of transition. It's also, you know, a lot of people are kind of pairing off either finding partners or spouses or whatever. And you can get really consumed by life. It's a very intense time as you're maybe starting a career or whatever the situation, starting a family. I think that that thing of in your 20s, really focusing your energy in a specific way that does not include friendship because we were maybe so used to our built-in friendships. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think that's so highly relatable. That is so true because I grew up in a family with two sisters and a mom and I didn't have to look around for companionship, you know, and then you go to college and you've got friends and plenty of time. and Yes. So yeah, it was definitely, I think, also a product of that. It's just a natural thing that happened. Yeah, I think that makes so much sense. My sister, Emily, who's 14 months younger than me, she's on the show often. Friendship with her has been a huge blessing, but in some ways I do kind of and have used it as a crutch of like, she's my best friend, but we never live in the same city <laughs> ever. We have not since college. So yeah, just like having an in-person network of friends When you're used to someone just kind of constantly being there, it can be a challenge. Yes, yes. I really super love that you mentioned that you are an introvert, that you are an Enneagram 4, which they, and I can say this as a 9, we can tend to be with the withdrawn types. Yes. (laughs) So we're not always out there with, you know, putting out a lot of energy into the world. But even still, and I'm so glad you mentioned this because I think it's such a stereotype that, you know, like, for example, introverts are just happy to be by themselves and they don't mind being alone. Right. And all of these things as if loneliness does not affect all of us at some point. Right. And just because you don't have a lot of energy to give to relationships doesn't mean you don't need them. I just have to be careful about how I spend my energy but it doesn't mean I don't need people. I need people just as much as anybody does. So yes, totally. Well, I would love for you to tell us about how then, again, as a person who does, you know, not only has more limited energy, but also was thrown into really steep learning curve of parenting, all of this stuff. At what point did you kind of decide, like, if I'm going to have friends, I'm going to have to actually like be really intentional (laughs) about all of this. It feels like, I mean, I know for a lot of this, We may recognize our loneliness and our lack of friendship, but it feels so overwhelming to be like, uh, where do I even start? Yeah. Going up to random strangers, (laughs) would you be my friend? (laughs) My extrovert friend does that. We always joke like that she meets people in Target every time she goes. And I'm like, that literally doesn't happen to me ever. Like, I don't know how that happens to you, but well, it didn't happen right away. That first year of parenting was extremely intense. And then exactly a year later, we got the surprise of our lives with a pregnancy that stuck around and we were thrilled and shocked. Our second child, Elijah, was born a year and a half you know, after the adoption. It was a difficult pregnancy and a brutal labor and recovery. I was had a third degree tear and he's a challenging sleeper. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
he still at five still is the kid that we have that wakes up in the night, you know, screaming about things, randomness. He's just a highly emotional kid. And I dove down into the depths of postpartum depression and anxiety. And it took me a long time to even realize what was going on. It makes total sense now that I'm well-educated on all of this. But at the time, I'd never even heard of postpartum anxiety. I didn't know that that was a thing. I didn't understand why I was having these invasive thoughts over and over and over again, why I just, I could barely function. I was having panic attacks and it was really a dark, dark time. I mean, there was stuff moving within me of like, I need help. I need friends. But I have to give credit to my friend. There's a girl that had taken an interest in me. I met her through my mom. My mom had been a mops mentor mom and I had resisted. I was like, I don't want to go to mops where my mom is the mentor mom. Like, (laughs) no, like I don't want to do that. Yes. And I really was like, I was just really judgmental about what a mops group would be like. It was all combined with the postpartum anxiety and everything. I was just like, no, I can't do that. I cannot put myself out there like that. But my friend, also an ENFP, I'm very drawn to ENFPs as friendships. That's just like, I don't know. They're like a liar and I'm a little moth, like this, like, ooh, ENFP. (laughs) (laughs) I get you. I get you. Okay. So she kept pursuing me about coming to mops and she just really made it hard to say no and easy to say yes. And I think one of the things that I would encourage anyone who is an extrovert like that is your reaching out to people is such a ministry because I needed her to pave that way for me. Like I needed that comfort of her knowing that she'd be at my table, that I would see her every week, that I wouldn't have to do it alone because I was frankly terrified. I was terrified to leave my kids in childcare. I was terrified to put myself out there I didn't recognize myself in any way. Like I just, it was really hard, but she convinced me to do it. So I joined MOPS and I remember in the fog of all the anxiety, one of the things that I talked myself into believing and repeated to myself over and over again was that these women are all here to make friends. So they want to be friends with you. And it wasn't like I walked in that first day and met my new best friend or something, but I purposely left myself open knowing that these women are coming to be vulnerable also and to make friends. We're all lonely. That's why we're here. So take that. You're one of them. Don't put yourself on the outside of the group. Just join in. And it worked. It was slow. It was slow, but steady. We were at a table with three girls who ended up being the best friend. And the sisters-in-law for one of the Real Housewives of Dallas. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I have to say, super friendly girls, super friendly and nice. Not really, you know, the kind of people that I relate to. Like, I'm just, you know, librarian, whatever. It's so funny. Like, so obviously, I didn't like walk in and go like, yeah, these are my people right here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I did slowly make friends. I went to the extra things like craft nights and stuff. And just one of my dearest, dearest friends, Katie, I met at one of those craft nights, one of those very first craft nights. We sat there like working on this craft, rubbing, like like <laughs> doing something you know, that was like super tedious. And we just sat there chatting. And now we're, you know, really good friends years later. And it was the small little steps to just be open to friendship, go be willing to try. And slowly over time, it grew. I ended up switching tables to a different mops table. And that group is, I'm still friends with them. Like we're still like, that's our group. We 
have just grown and been really intentional about friendship. And now those are my kind of ride or die girls. But that was the openness to try it. And then to just remember that they're all there trying to make friends too was definitely the start of what ended up growing into beautiful friendships. I love that so much because I think that it really affirms the value of just to continue just showing up and to be open to the fact that you may not find your people right away. Yeah. But then, you know, like you discovered a different sort of group of people within the same context, sometimes even just sticking it out with people that you're like, I don't, I don't know, this may not be a good fit for me or whatever, that maybe over time as connections are built, that you find some commonalities and just, you know, sometimes just being in the same season, going through the same stuff together, um, really builds bridges between people that maybe you never would have dreamed you would have been friends with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's one of the funny things about this group of girls is that almost the only thing we have in common besides living in this area is having kids the same age. And Mops is really big about putting aside the typical mom arguments that we have that kind of silo us off into like, well, I do it this way and I do it this way. That's really not supposed to be a part of the conversation when you're there at Mops. And our group has taken that to heart. We are a group of diverse girls. Like we have everything, you know, like on the political spectrum, on the parenting spectrum, on even religious, we have like a wide range of girls, but all of that got set aside to like intentionally build friendships. And it has been amazing at what we can do when we set aside the things we don't agree on to look at how we can support each other and live life together. And we have so much more in common in that way than we would if we were just looking at all these little, I mean, especially with like the parenting decisions, those are gone in a few months. Why argue over that? Like, (laughs) it's so true. It is so true. It really is. Well, I know that one of the things that you really have, you know, maybe even in looking back have realized that you had been believing some sort of myths about friendship. And I think all of us hold on to these, especially as we are maybe transitioning from a really comfortable friendship group into having to build new friendships. We may be holding on to some old beliefs or ideas or things that we really believe are true about friendship, but they're actually kind of myths that or maybe just like the stories we've been telling ourselves about who we are as friends or what we should expect in friendship, those types of things. So I was wondering if you could say a little bit more about some of the myths maybe that you've encountered or you recognize in yourself, and then some of the truths that you've discovered that kind of balance out those beliefs. Yes, I wrote down a few so I could jog my memory. I have three kids. I will forget something if I don't write yes. something. <laughs> <laughs> the very first one is the myth of the best friend. And that is something I don't think it's not true because I know people that this is how they function. They have a best friend. It's like they're one person that's forever. Like my dad's best friend, he's known since they were toddlers. And that's fantastic. Wow. Yeah. But that has just not been my story. And I had to own that that was a myth, at least for my life. And it was something that I had to kind of give up and grieve a little bit and then move on. And I don't like using that term anymore. I'll say this is one of my closest friends. But what I found is that at least for me, using that term best friend was putting a ton of pressure on that person. Ah, yes. To fill needs that I have. And I have had to 
learn to let these women that I'm friends with be their healthy best selves. And that may or may not mean that they're filling all of my needs because they have their needs too. And if I will trust that the friendship is there, but for this particular need, I may need to talk to this other friend. I have a few friends. Like I have no one in my life who is everything that I am, a special needs mom, a homeschooling mom, doing a podcast and, you know, all the different things that I do. I have lots of friends though that meet part of those needs. And that has been the way forward for me personally. And it also let those friendships thrive because I'm not putting so much pressure on them to meet these needs. Like they may not be able to, they may just not have the words for that or the time or whatever. So that is myth number one that I had to let go of. That's so wise. I mean, I think that idea of like the one true best friend that is there for you in all things and can talk you through and hold your hand through everything. And you do this. totally understands you. And yeah. <laughs> yes. Maybe for some of us, when we were children, we did have friendships that kind of function in that way. But as life gets more complicated and, <laughs> you know, more complex, it's really unrealistic to think that one person is going to fulfill all of that. And then, like you said, it really does put a burden either on ourselves or on other people when we have that expectation. I totally agree with you. I do the whole terminology of best friend. I think I use it kind of loosely, but truly, I think for most of us would say these are some of my closest friends. Mm -hmm. But definitely that idea that there's just like this one true friendship soulmate. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it, it can prevent us, you know, because we might be using that as a filter of some kind to be like, is this going to be my one friendship soulmate when they could be a perfectly lovely, yeah, you know, dynamic friendship in your life. But you've got to kind of remove that litmus test and just be yes. like, this is somebody that I really jive with. And let's just see how we can show up for each other in life. Yeah, totally. Let it be what it is. The second myth was the idea that everyone already had their friends. And it's not that there are people who already kind of have their friend group, and they're not super open to new friends. And that's fine. But that doesn't mean that everyone already has their friends. If you look around, like a lot of women are lonely. A lot of women are wondering where their friends are. Like this is a plague that is going on. So clearly not everybody has their friends. And even if their Instagram makes it look like they have their friends, you don't know that, that they're not open for new friendship. So that is something I had to let go of and just be friendly. Let the friendship, like stop trying to control it and just like be friendly talk to people and let it be what it is and not assume all the time that they have their friends and they're not going to be friends with me. So some of that is left over from being shy, introverted, you know, and always I kind of cast myself. I think it's that's also this very Enneagram for to cast yourself as the outsider. So I'd just be like, well, everybody's hanging out without me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, maybe that's because you didn't ask them to do something, you know, like right. maybe that's because they didn't know you wanted to join them. So that's something I've had to let go of. Yes, I totally get it too. That makes so much sense. It really does. And, and I do think that social media can really tell us these stories that may or may not be true, but it's so mm -hmm. easy to believe them when we're like just scrolling through Instagram or whatever. So yeah, such a good reminder. A third thing is something that I came to like actually fairly recently. Like I was trying to explain something to a friend and I was like, here's the thing, play dates don't have to be mom dates. I realized that 
I was feeling this pressure to make sure that my kids were playing with kids that they could play with. That was with people that I wanted to hang out with. And that was too much pressure. <laughs> like I realized that what I really, for me, for my friendships, I didn't want my kids around. That was too stressful. I have a special needs, you know, child, an extremely rambunctious middle child. And then, you know, my daughter, practically perfect Mary Poppins, but like, still, <laughs> like, it's just, it was too much pressure to like, try to find ways where they could play and where I was getting my needs met. I needed to separate that out and yes. give myself the freedom that like my friends mostly don't see my kids. Like I have one friend that sees, cause our kids are in a specialized therapy together. So we see each other weekly and she sees my kids, but a lot of it my friend time is separate from my kids. And that was really helpful for me to realize that was okay, that I didn't have to find friends that magically our families completely interconnected. Well, I have never found that yet where the families just gel so well that we can all hang out together all the time and no one's stressed out. So that was a myth I had to let go of, of thinking that if I was going to be good friends with them, our families had to be really good friends. Totally. Yes. I understand that so much. And two, when you do have even, you know, multiple kids, like trying to say, are all of these kids going to mesh well yeah, together? That's right, a lot yeah. of pressure. <laughs> it is. And then frankly, yeah, it's just, sometimes it's also just really hard to have conversation when you're managing kids and those so types of things. hard. I feel like I literally have had just recently a couple play dates where that happened, where I was able to talk to a friend or the mom that was there. It's like, because my kids are finally old enough to play on their own. But for so long, this has been seven years now of parenting that that it's taken a long time. I would have been super lonely if I was waiting for that. Yes, definitely. Oh my goodness, that makes so much sense. And again, I do think that we just have these sort of stories that we've been telling ourselves, holdover beliefs from when we were younger. And that's a huge part of growing into adulthood really is kind of being nimble when it yeah. comes to friendship and being willing to shake things up and to change and to look at things differently. So yeah. Awesomes with a brand new baby at home. There are so many things changing in my life and in my body, including my bra size. That's why I'm so in love with a company that understands that women come in all shapes and sizes, and we all want a bra that fits. That's why you know I love Third Love. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who've taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit. In fact, Third Love offers more than 70 sizes, including their signature half cup sizes. So you can skip the trip to the mall, find your fit with Third Love's online Fit Finder, you order, you try it on at home, no more awkward fitting room experiences. One of my very favorite things about Third Love is that they are so inclusive with their sizing. Third Love doesn't create new sizes just by scaling its existing measurements up or down. What they did is they fit each cup size on at least 20 different women with different body types and breast shapes to ensure that their new styles are comfortable and beautiful, whether you're wearing an I cup or whether you're in an A cup. And for larger sizes, Third Love adds premium touches to ensure that their bras are strong where you need it, such as wider straps or a more substantial hook and eye closure, but they still keep your proportions and your silhouette in mind. And even though other brands charge more based on sizing, at Third Love, bras cost the same no matter what size you wear. You get the same comfort, the same perfect fit, same fabric, same style, same price, no matter what your size. 
Don't forget that with third love returns and exchanges are free and easy. These are hands down the most comfortable bra that you're going to own. Third love knows there's a perfect bra for everybody. So right now they're offering you awesomes 15% off of your first order. When you go to thirdlove.com slash awesome right now to find your perfect fitting bra, you're going to get 15% off of that first purchase at thirdlove.com slash awesome for 15% off today. Before we wrap up, I would love for you to share with us, because like you said, this is seven years of experience of really learning in this realm. For people who are listening, what are some things that you could share in terms of either advice or wisdom about maintaining friendship over time? Because I think that's the other component. For a lot of us, just making new friendships, building new friendships, that's one hurdle. But then... In the craziness of life, what does it look like to maintain a friendship over time? What has worked well that you've experienced? What has maybe not worked as well? I'd love to hear your wisdom on that. Yeah, probably the first thing I would say, um, and I touched on it earlier, is to let go of the things that you maybe don't agree on and focus on the parts of the friendship where you have similarities. That has been so helpful for me in being able to maintain friendships with a diverse group of people through the last years in the United States with elections and all the differences and all that. I realized actually at one point, I was like, I've never had a conversation with any of them about the political situation. And I was actually glad about it because it meant that we were more focused on each other and thriving as women than on this temporary conflict that's going on. And that was really important. I have individual friendships where I know the friendship is a safe place to talk about that. And that's fine. Yeah. I've also have friendships where it's like, it's just, we're not going to talk about it. We're talking about what we have in common. So that's one thing is to let the friendships kind of supersede all the other stuff going on. And another thing is to keep in contact constantly. Like this is the age of cell phones and Boxer and Marco Polo. My husband said something to me. He's like, well, you have all these friends. I was like, do you know how often I see them? I know. In person, <laughs> maybe once a month. Like <laughs> if not, or my one friend I see every week in the waiting room while we're parenting our other kids talking in a public waiting room. Like I talk to my friends on Boxer and on Marco Polo. That is how these friendships have been yeah. developed. And that's good. I don't know about other people. I have this ideal in my head. I think it's an American thing of like, the ideal small town where you lived next to your friends, you saw them all the time, you went to church with them, you just did life with them. And like, that's the ideal. And then I think about like the greater scheme of like the world and how often people have been separated and had to keep up friendships through correspondence or, you know, long distance. And that is also a perfectly valid way to keep up friendships. And so... That is a huge part of maintaining friendships is to use electronics and let that be good enough. I have a friend that we vox fairly frequently at night, just back and forth. They're fairly long conversations, but just in little snippets over Voxer. And we don't even see each other's face, just talking, you know, about life. Or Lori Lynn, my co-host, we've become very good friends. And we Marco Polo. She's my, going back to that episode y'all did with Laura Tremaine about friendships. There was like the freezer friend that knows everything in your freezer. (laughs) Lori Lynn is my freezer friend. Yes. Although it's mostly like, it's more like everything I did today. Like all of the minutia that nobody else cares about. It's like, (laughs) well, we did this and we did this. And then I had to get her in her car seat and she pitched a fit. And then like that kind of stuff, the mom stuff. Yep. Lori Lynn is my friend like that. It's such a great 
like that's such a need that I have to like somebody see what I did today because my kids don't care. And we do it over Marco Polo. It's not like a face to face. She doesn't actually see my life in 3D very often, but we get to share that. And so that's been a huge part of maintaining friendships. And then the last thing I would say is being really honest with yourself about your boundaries and your expectations of these people. Boundaries work both ways. They'd let you know what's okay and what's not okay. And also what's okay for the other person and what's not okay. And I have had to let myself finally work through conflict with friends in this season. That's been amazing. I used to just dread conflict. And now it's not like I look forward to conflict, but I know that I can have a conflict work through it because my boundaries are healthy. I know it's okay for me and she can communicate what's okay for her. And it's okay sometimes if she's not meeting all of my needs because I have these other friendships. I have healthy friendships outside of that. And so that has been a huge thing is just the work. I have to give props to my therapist and to the Enneagram for helping me with some of that. Like just being healthy. Like you cannot be a good friend unless you're healthy. And the friendship will only be as healthy as the least healthy person in the friendship. And so that's been a huge part of it is just making sure I'm a good friend and kind of stewarding the relationships in that way and encouraging their health and my health at the same time. That's so true. And that is absolutely like the work of grown-up adult friendships yes. as opposed, you know, when we were younger, maybe there was a lot more drama or, you know, friendship breakups or whatever the thing is. And as you move into adulthood and you have these friendships that you very much value and treasure, you realize that in the same way that marriage or long-term partnership over time takes work, even though you care about each other deeply or love each other, you know, in the context of a long-term romantic relationship, but just because there's that love there that made the connection you also have to work at it. Yes, it's work. Yeah, it is. And friendship can be work over time, particularly the ones that you really do want to hang on to showing up to do the work that is sometimes messy and complicated and awkward. It's truly worth it in the long run. So such great stuff, Anna. This is so good. It's given me a lot to think about. I am always thinking about women and friendships and how we can build better, stronger connections, everything from taking that initial leap into starting a new friendship and especially what it looks like over time. So this has been really, really fantastic. Good. It's really fun to talk about. Yeah, totally. Before we let you go, I would love to know, first of all, let's talk about just you, where if anybody wants to follow up with you, Anna, around the web where we can find you. And then also we got to talk about where we can find the post party. Yes. Instagram's the best place to find me. I am a Heather Say on Instagram. I share about family life and then a lot about books and stories. I read about a book a day in this season of life. (laughs) I'm reading a lot and I share all about it. So that's if you want to talk books, come find me. And then the post party we have, it's thepostparty.com. And of course, we are in all of the podcast apps, Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and all of them. And we also are on Instagram and Facebook at The Post Party. So if you are a mom looking to get some encouragement, we are not about adding to to to-do lists. We are about sharing encouragement and stories. And we would love to have you listen and join our little community. So great. Thank you so much for your time, really. This has been so enlightening and I know encouraging for me. I'm sure many awesomes who are listening are feeling encouraged and inspired in this realm of friendship right now. So great. 
Well, Austin's remember, you can find me all around the web and on social media at Sorta Awesome Meg. The show's over on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod, and you can find us anytime on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer, and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer, and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome, and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to sortaawesomeshow.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.